Welcome to Help Me to Understand, a podcast where women give their voices to issues of social justice, political activism, giving back, and other topics relevant today. I'm your host, Felicia Garland. As you look around, you can't avoid the fact that we live in an age of political and social divisions, global warming, economic and racial inequality, and a breakdown in many of our social structures. And that was just this morning's news. I find it can be all so confusing, and I bet you do as well. Perhaps you'd like to make a difference in the world, even if only a small one, but you feel you need more knowledge and understanding around the issues we face in order to develop the tolerance, empathy, and compassion you need to become a force for good. It's my mission with this podcast to hear from women who are working every day to make a difference. So welcome, curious listener, to this journey of discovery and understanding. I'm so glad you're here. Together, let's become a force for good. Well, we're here at the third episode of our three-part series focusing on caregiving, caregivers, self-care, and aging. For this third episode, I'm excited to be speaking with Carol Merrick, a solo living advisor and advocate. Carol is a former family caregiver, researcher, and the creator of the guided roadmap for living a supportive and secure future. She's an expert on topics of senior care and aging alone. And for over the past 15 years, her numerous articles have appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, USA Today, and Money Magazine, to name a few. On her way to becoming an expert in solo aging, Carol earned her certificate in the Fundamentals of Gerontology at UC Davis. She also founded the Elder Orphan Facebook group in 2016, which supports over 9,700 members who are aging alone. Senior housing marketing departments, technology companies, and startups all seek her advice about the challenges adults face when growing older at home alone. She's unmarried and childless, so she herself is a solo ager. She lives in Dallas, Texas, where she has an active lifestyle and where she's created what she calls her family of choice. Hi, Carol. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. So let me just start by putting this whole discussion into some context. I just read this morning in the New York Times uh, a statistic that says in America, every eight seconds, someone turns 65. The piece goes on to discuss uh, how exactly society is going to care for those folks. And I haven't gotten through it yet, but maybe we'll make that part four of this three-part series because there really is so much there. But let's move to you and your expertise and your your life's work basically now. You are a family caregiver, and I've read that you spent thousands of hours helping your parents as they aged. What did you learn about aging and senior care? And as a single woman without children, when did you, what was the aha moment for you that I'm not going to have this kind of help? (laughs) Oh, well, you know, you ask me, what did I learn from family caregiving? I would have to say the first thing that comes to mind is, oh my gosh, (laughs) this is very hard. Not only on the people around us who are hopefully watching out for us, but uh, for the person that's growing older, it's really, really hard. And it's, it would be especially more difficult 
if you haven't prepared for it. Because so many of us, including myself up until the age of 55, have really, we don't prepare. We don't even take into consideration some of the things that we will likely go through when we get older. And uh, just watching my parents and helping them, it it was uh, definitely very burdensome because both of my parents were ill. My mom Mm -hmm. had several chronic illnesses. My dad lived with Alzheimer's. And it was burdensome not only on the three daughters, uh, Mm -hmm. which included me, of course, but also on my parents. It was hard, very, very hard on them. So my aha moment, or what I like to call my wake-up call, is the time after my dad passed away. And because my mom passed in 2003, my dad passed away in 2007. And I was uh, out on my walk. I was feeling very, uh, you know, just kind of recalling and and missing them. I, I was kind of feeling very nostalgic and reminiscing of all the things that we just went through in the last almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's a long and, time to be yeah, a significant caregiver. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, as I was missing them and thinking back and reflecting all the things that happened in that time span, it was like a bucket of ice and cold water that was thrown in my face. I stopped and it was, oh my God, seriously. Mm-hmm. It was like the breath was taking out of me. And I stopped and I said, what am I going to do? I don't have an adult child, nor do I have a husband or mm-hmm. any sort of partner that would watch out for me. I thought, oh my God, look what it took for my parents having three daughters take overlooking their care. And that was unbelievably full of tasks, uh, worry, stress. And then I thought, oh my God, I don't have any of that. Who is gonna look out for me? And, and at that time, I was close to 55, and that's when I, I, it, it was like a constant, you know, reminder, <clears throat> who's going to take care of me? Who's going to take care of me? And fortunately, I'm very grateful for that because I got on the stick. It took a while. However, <clears throat> I got on the stick and started doing lots of research on different ways to live. And really prepare myself and to take care of myself. And so I started looking at what my parents, what the three daughters helped my parents with. And I broke all those different tasks down. And I put them in major categories like health, housing, social connections, support, spiritual growth or spiritual kind of connection, a reliance. And then, of course, transportation, where I live, the actual location of where I live, and the different types of activities or daily activities. So that's where I started. I just kind of reflected upon all the work we did for my parents and what they needed and started to do research on all those things 
where I lived right now at that time. And how would I cope if I couldn't drive, for example, to the doctor? Who would I call? Who could I? Is there an Uber? At the time, there was no Uber. (laughs) Uh (laughs) We're going to we're going to get into, you know, I want to make sure we get into all the details. Yes. Yeah, sure. Sure. But when you were speaking, just as an aside, you know, you can't turn on the TV, I don't think, without seeing numerous commercials about retirement planning from a financial perspective. Exactly. As if that's the only perspective, right? And I'm, there, I think there's one actually ad in a newspaper and it shows a couple retiring and buying a winery. And that seems so far removed from what you're talking about, that what you're talking about is probably much more typical than going out and buying a winery in retirement. So let's start with what exactly, because it seems sort of obvious, I suppose, at one level, what you mean by solo aging. But what exactly is it? Because you can have, from what I read about your work, you could have estranged children, that kind of thing. So what is, it isn't just being unmarried and childless. There are other kind of, uh, so describe what those could be. Yeah, well, that's a great question because I like to uh, think of it in terms of how that individual perceives themselves. For example, you could have a child or an adult child living hundreds of miles away from you. Mm -hmm. And a solo ager like myself, who has absolutely no one, a spouse or a child, would look at that individual and say, ah, you have someone that can watch out for you. Well, in the eyes of that person with an adult child that lives hundreds of miles away from them, they perceive themselves as aging alone, as being a solo ager. So I like to think of it, it really depends on the perspective of that individual. How do you, what do you identify with? How do you identify yourself as solo, aging solo, or Mm -hmm. as having support, family support? Okay, and, and, that even could, say, and, and even that, and it can even apply to uh, a married couple that doesn't have mm-hmm. children, or maybe the children are far away. Well, obviously, I think if you're have a spouse or a partner, you're going to be aging at the same you know rate. If, yes. if you're eighty five, they're going to be eighty five, and they're yes. not going to be as in your parents. You know, if your mother had Alzheimer's and your father had some chronic illnesses. It's not like they're going to, they may have companionship, but they're exactly. not going to be able to do much to help each other. So that's right. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's, that's very interesting that it's the perspective of mm-hmm. the person who's aging. Yes. So you've written about, and you started to get into this, the five top aging challenges. Can you go through those and explain in a little more detail now what you mean by that? Well, it's the top concerns that we, should plan for. For example, I really have come up with eight, but I'm just going to address a few of them. The top ones that I can identify with, and I see many other adults deal with, I mean, look at health. Health Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. typically one of the top ones, because if you don't have good health, nothing really matters. I think the second biggest concern is finances. And mm-hmm. if we don't have finances, I mean, you think about it, if if you don't have finances, then it affects your health. Finances affect where you live. 
finances affect what you can afford. So not only do we have to look at our top concerns and to deal with all the different issues around them, we also should be looking at how they interrelate. And I'm not going to go too much into that because that can get a little complicated. And that's what my guided roadmap is all about. Okay. However, if you, and that's what my book, my upcoming book that should hopefully be published in the next couple of months will be about as well. But if you just look at your top concerns like health, money, legal matters, transportation, Mm -hmm. location where your house is, and of course, your house, you you know, where you live, your housing, and where it's located. And then your social connections, the social connections play a huge part in how isolated you are or how lonely you are or how much support you have. Right. Uh-huh. right. I mean, it, it's all so interrelatable. Oh, sure. Where you live, you said if it's too far, uh, can't walk to businesses, you need to rely on yep. an Uber or someone to drive you. Yes. And certainly finances, something short of buying the winery. You do need enough resources, you said, to be able to Absolutely. really support all of this other stuff. Uh, right. And healthcare, I think, is just going to become a much, a much larger issue. Yes. But all of those issues are aging related. But I thought there were maybe three to me that really were even bigger issues for solo agers. And those were the social connections which you mentioned, and I want to have you talk a little bit more about that and the importance of that, housing and advanced care planning. Those seem to be the the three, while all of what you mentioned impact people who age, but those three seem to be the most significant. And social connection, I think, is sounds like it's a it's like it's a big one. You know, it's really hard to classify what are the top three concerns. And that's why in my book, I really recommend from the individual's perspective, and I give them a way to assess for your top concerns. Because for you, Felicia, for you, maybe it is social connections. For me, when I was looking at my top concerns, it was money. Yeah, that's a biggie for everybody, I'm sure. Yeah. No one's ever complained they had too much. Right. And then it was first money and then health. Okay. So again, there is really no way to assess in a general sense and put Mm -hmm. those three top concerns on a whole population because it's so individualized. It's so, what's the word for that? I guess individualized. It's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. So the roadmap you talked about, your book, those are going to be things that support and I would imagine as an advocate for folks, you would, you started thinking about it at 55. Is there an age that's too early to start? Especially, I mean, the finances, you should start putting money away when you're right. 18, you have your first job, right. but yeah, um, amen. There's, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Boy, if we only knew. Yeah. Right. <laughs> then what we know now. Um, but Is there ever a time that's too early to start? Too early. Uh, Well, probably at 18, you're not going to be thinking about your location or your health or your social connections. Right, or your medical directive or those kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. 
I think the best time to start is 45. Okay. I was 55. Mm-hmm. And I know people at 80 had that still haven't looked at these issues. Kind of the ostrich thing, head in the sand mm-hmm. kind of idea. Yeah. And, you know, okay. And at 45, you may very well, your situation, you could be thinking about it, but you might have a spouse or a partner and, you know, God forbid something happens to them yes. early on. Uh, or you become estranged from a child, that kind of thing. So you almost have to plan for something that you can't even visualize. You know, you had, if you can say that there's the advantage, if that's the proper word in that situation, the advantage of actually having that, you know, get on the stick moment that you saw. That yeah, could that snap you into action. Yeah, yeah, I see it as an advantage. I see it as a blessing that I was a caregiver. Mm-hmm. To prepare me, because if I had not gone through that with my parents, oh my gosh, Felicia, I was not prepared at all in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, I mean, I mean, I no, I wasn't prepared. I mean, my health was, was good. I didn't have any major, major issues, my, but my money was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> in terms in a of prior saving. life, yes, yeah. I could advise people about that, but not any longer. So <laughs> you've written about creating your family of choice. What is that? What do you mean by that? Oh, because many times, I mean, in looking at myself and even others that live where I live, uh, we don't have people to count on. We don't have anyone to rely on. We have no one to just call us or text us and say, hey, how are you doing? You need anything today? How are you feeling? You know, just to check in on us. So uh-huh. what I mean by that is in order to alleviate and resolve issues like isolation and the mm-hmm. feeling of loneliness, because Felicia, there are so many people who live alone. They're so lonely. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking. Yep. It's heartbreaking. And they could have a child that lives hundreds of miles away, or maybe oh, sure. they're estranged, but they're mm-hmm. so lonely. It's very sad. So uh-huh. I highly recommend that we, you know, get, get out of our comfort zone and start creating a, our, a family of choice, people that we can invite over for dinner. We can pick up the phone and call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, you know, like mm-hmm. we would a daughter or a son, or, you know, if you would pick up the phone, you say, you know, to your son, how are you doing today? How is work? Well, why not have someone like that in your life? That's a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just definitely. just to have that feeling of support. What comes to mind, what I'm envisioning almost is a golden girls situation. Now, you live alone, but you say you have your support network of, I presume, women and, and men, friends and folks who, as you said, call on you, check on you. You can have a mm-hmm. Zoom with or something. Mm-hmm. But also you could have a living situation where you have a roommate or roommates or you know that kind of housing situation. I actually have a friend who was looking into that. She's unmarried, no children. And she you know, has some couple of good friends and she's thinking, hmm, maybe that's a way to go. Absolutely. You know, especially those who have a large home and they're mm-hmm. not ready to give it up. However, they right. can't, maybe they're facing 
expenses. Maybe they're facing some health issue. Maybe mm-hmm. they're lonely, uh, isolated, and they want more people around them. I think it's a fabulous way to build that family of choice. If you have the resources for it, you know, the, the home. And mm-hmm. it, I, I just interviewed someone for my podcast the other day, and she she did exactly that except they're Mm -hmm. renting a home and she invited uh, someone she knew very well to live with her. And so they Mm -hmm. share a two bedroom, like a duplex, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course it always goes back to resources. Mm -hmm. You have to Mm -hmm. have, you know, have to have the resources. Oh yeah. And I do want to bring up another story. And this person is in my uh, Facebook group. She, this is so interesting. She, both of her, my friend, and her housemate are single, and they may—they were both actually previously married. Mm-hmm. But where she lives now, her friend had called her one day, and they had known each other for like thirty years. Mm-hmm. And even the person in my group, my member in my group, didn't. Uh, I think she had just gotten a divorce. So her friend called and said, hey, why don't you move to Dallas and come live with me? Because I have this big home. I have no one living with me. And I know. So in order to make it to whet your your appetite and make it look more appealing to you, I will put your name on my the 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 home. And you would be the co-owner. Uh-huh. Of the house. So if oh. something would happen to me, because mm. I, I am right. having chronic illnesses, if something mm-hmm. would happen to me, you're comfortable knowing that this will be your home. Because I have no, she said, I have no children. I have no one to give my my home to. Ah, and you're right. You wouldn't want your roommate to be kicked out of your house. That would be that's right. That would be very sad. So. Well, there's some estate planning work yes, in there. And probably exactly. each other is, you know, their medical directives and that sort of thing. Exactly. Um, now, so isn't that a fabulous story? It <laughs> is. Love it, it is a great story. You know, you start out with a roommate in college and end up with a roommate yes. at the end. I have done a little bit of research. Uh, the area where I live, there's, uh, they happen to call it Nest. And it's neighbors helping yes. other people around. Uh, it's this whole village movement. Yes. What do you think about that and how those can get, what kind of things do you think that they, services they could and should provide? And how do you think, uh, I guess it's going to sound like your family of choice is like a mini village, a mini nest. But what yes. do you think about that that concept? I love that idea. I love it. And I am familiar with uh, several villages, what they call a uh, village to village network. Uh-huh. I'm sort of familiar with Nest, but I need to dig a little deeper into that. But uh, yes, I mean, you live in your single family home, whatever that looks like, and you mm-hmm. join a club, so to speak. It's an association and you pay a fee. It's a nominal fee, I think. Mm-hmm. Anywhere between 200 and maybe 500. I think maybe it's 500 if you are married, if you have a spouse. Mm-hmm. And you join this association. And what you do is you help each other out. Whatever that might look like. Could be grocery shopping. It could be changing a light bulb in your home, in someone's home. 
It could uh-huh. be fixing the garage door. It could be any type of maintenance. It could be mowing the yard. How? So what happens is if I'm doing a service work for mm-hmm. you, Felicia, for example, let's say we're, you and I are in this association and you need my help doing grocery shopping or taking you to the doctor. And I do that. And it's free mm-hmm. to you. It's free right. to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what happens with my hours or my time that I donate to you, it goes into a bank. Okay. To a uh-huh. sort of accounting system. So that's mm-hmm. what your membership fee is for. It's for tracking. Mm-hmm. It's that software that you're paying for. Okay. Okay. Right. And, okay. It, and it takes people to run that office, the back oh, office, sure. so mm-hmm. to speak. So it's paying for that. So now my hours that I give to you will go into my bank. So when it comes to a time that I need help, someone mm-hmm. will say, oh, Carol has 100 hours. So okay. we need people to step up and help her now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, that's how that works. And I think it's fabulous. That is. I, I wasn't aware, but it makes sense of that banking idea because you need everybody to participate. Yeah, That's the encouragement. I know the organization here, they do things, uh, I, th- I think for, I know in one case, there was a fellow who was recuperating from a major illness and they were providing respite care to mm-hmm. his, oh, nice. his wife. Yes. I, my mother is uh, 95 and lives with me and they have offered to, hey, we'll sit with your mom for a few hours. We'll check in on her if you're out. And of course, I, I believe that based on what you're saying, that I, I should turn around and do, which I should anyway, because I'm able to drive someone to the grocery store. I'm able to go pick up their, their meds. And it's a good thing to do, even if there's not a, a banking, because you're kind of paying it forward. Yes, right. Absolutely. Yes. So let's talk a little bit. Well, tell me about your elder orphan Facebook group how it started, what they do, what, and the support that it offers. And then, of course, it, even the concept elder orphan is something I hadn't heard of before. Because so can you explain all of that for me? Sure. As a matter of fact, the term really gets a lot of people, a lot of people riled up because they hate the term. And I agree. I don't particularly care for it either. However, how the Facebook group kind of evolved, uh, I'll, start, I'll start there. Mm-hmm. is because I'm aging alone and I wanted to know, well, how many people are out there in this, in this whole world? <laughs> well, at least in the U S <laughs> how many of us are out oh, there? I mean, it, I know it affects me. It affects my sister. It affects my cousins. A few of my cousins aren't married or that they have children. Mm-hmm. So, but that was kind of a personal history. However, what about other people? How many others are out there that are like us? So mm-hmm. that's why I started my Facebook group, because I really wanted to know how many are there, the issues that we all face. Mm-hmm. But the term, and I thought, well, what am I going to call this group? And it was it was very synchronous because my uh, Dr. Maria Carney from New York had just published a summary of data points and articles about patients that because she's a geriatrician. And she wanted to really focus on her on patients from a doctor's point of view, the elder orphan dilemma, you know, and okay. the risks that elder orphans face. So 
it's really a medically driven term, elder orphans. And it was coined by a geriatrician Mm -hmm. in the UK. And he was a geriatrician in uh, in nursing homes, I believe. And that's when he saw individuals like myself who have no family to count on, have the highest chronic illnesses, extremely lonely, isolated, and alone. They have no people checking in on them. So there are certain risk factors like higher death that's Uh associated with it, exacerbated chronic illnesses, and depression are some of the risks that elder orphans face. So he coined that term and and researched it. And that was back in the 80s. So Dr. Maria Carney really resurrected that term and called it elder orphans. And I thought, well, that really got my attention because she published that summary. I would call it a summary in 2015. My group was launched in 20, right at the beginning, January 2016. And I found that term on the web and I thought, wow, that would be a great name because, I mean, doesn't it get your attention? Oh, sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, What is it? For someone who doesn't have any parents alive, do do I qualify? Exactly. What does that mean? So so what does it mean if I call myself that? And you have Mm -hmm. have 9,700 members. I mean, that's that's a huge number of people in a little over five, almost six years now. Still, I mean, word of mouth, how that gets out. But then what kinds of support do they provide each other? It's amazing the kind of support because so many of us are alone. We don't have a family of choice. We don't step out of our comfort zone because for several reasons, we're shy, perhaps. Maybe we're an Mm -hmm. introvert. Maybe we are scared of fraud. There's so many scammers today. Uh, So we stay very isolated, unfortunately, and we're not Mm -hmm. out there. And unfortunately, many, some people who even attend church or faith organizations feel like that they age out of these organizations. They start feeling useless, which I think is very sad that the church doesn't get them more involved. However, that's a different story. But uh, what's incredibly rich about the group is when someone has an issue or they have a question or a problem or a decision to make, they mm-hmm. have people to talk to. I mean, it may not oh, be okay. voice-wise, okay. Uh-huh. but they just post the question and mm-hmm. they'll get hundreds of members replying and giving them advice. Okay, so it's advice and the social aspect. You have friends Somewhat on there. And, okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. So when you talked about socialization, now, if you're much older and you have chronic illness, this probably wouldn't apply to you. But for someone, you know, sort of our age, that healthy and active, what's the value, if there is, in, I don't know, you work as far as I believe, whether or not you have a regular paycheck or benefits or all that sort of thing. But you have work. You have work that seems to be of great interest and value to you. Mm -hmm. Some people have volunteer work. How important is that? And how do people find what to do if they have energy and want to do something else? 
Oh, gosh, that's a good one. I mean, having a life purpose or a reason to get up in the morning really keeps me going. It keeps my mind going because it it drives me to do more research. It drives me to get out of the house, to stay healthy. It's a Mm -hmm. huge factor for me to connect with people. So how do people find their life? Well, I I don't want to call it life purpose, but having Mm -hmm. a purpose, a purpose Uh to get out of bed in the morning. For me, And for others here where I live, Mm -hmm. I live in a building surrounded by neighbors, and many of them will either reflect upon their what they've done in the past. Like Mm -hmm. I have uh, one of my friends is a teacher, a former teacher. She's retired now. And so she does volunteer work in schools. She's teacher slash diagnostician, and Mm -hmm. she will give of her time to school districts to test students, you know, and those students are either autistic or they have some type of mental, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's what she does. So she, Mm -hmm. so people will either base it on what they've done in the past, or Mm -hmm. maybe they'll find something new to do. There was a story, well, two stories, but I'll just go with one. And it's one of my favorite ones is a police officer who's a retired police officer in New York. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of volunteer at when he was active in his employment. He did a lot of volunteer work with young age, uh, young adults, I will say, mm-hmm. high school students that did not have either. They didn't have, well, they had an inactive parents. I'll just put it that way. Okay. Their parents weren't very involved in their life. Not very engaged. Okay. Exactly. So he saw that those kids would get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And so what he has done now, it was just, it's phenomenal. He has formed an organization for, of grandfathers to older men to be Uh a grandfather to these younger kids in high school that don't have a father or a grandfather that could okay. be their mentor, you know, that can mm-hmm. mentor them. That's what he formed in New York. It's a phenomenal. Uh-huh. I think I, lo- I just love that story. That is a great story. I haven't heard of that. You, you hear a big brother to be a companion, but not the mentor, not the, uh, not an older role model. Yes. What a great way to, they must support each other. You know, yes, the, the team exactly. providing. Oh, that is a wonderful it, story. It, exactly. You know, because the older person, you know, needs companionship, especially mm-hmm. if a younger person, because maybe they don't have any grandkids or maybe their right. grandkids are grown and gone and uh, they miss that that relationship. So now mm-hmm. they have it again. It is yeah. so neat. Mm. And, and so if you think about it, think about all the kids aging out of orphanages, you know. Those kids really need mentors. Oh, well, I I work with kids in the foster care system. And at 18, they age out. They're they're hard-pressed to find. No one's adopted them. They have no no family to go to. So, yes, aging out is very tough, very tough on them. Yes. So just one of the last things I want to ask you about, I know that you've advised tech companies, senior housing uh, developers, what kinds of things are you telling them? What is your advice to them? And I trust they're working in the markets to develop 
products and services mm-hmm. around what we're going to need. Mm-hmm. But what kind of advice are you giving them? And I would imagine this is a going to be a burgeoning field. The first thing that I like to talk about with developers is, well, let me kind of give you a background. And, and if you look at technology today or any type of app on your iPhone, it could be mm-hmm. a online on your laptop or platform on the laptop, but it's, it's some sort of uh, check-in or making sure that someone parents. So it's really, mm-hmm. it kind of uh, evolves around family caregivers typically. Okay. Uh, because they, we have for some reason, and we need to start shifting out of this. We see our audience as family. We see, we think that the nuclear family is the strongest pop segment of our population, and that truly is not the case. It's the solar person. There are more. Uh, AARP did a summary of some data that was put out by the U.S. Census, and they discovered that 28% of American households from the age 18 and all up are solo people. They live alone. What percentage did you say? 28%. Wow. Okay. Almost 30%. Of the American households. And nuclear nuclear Mm -hmm. families are... 20%. 20%. Oh my God. Okay. And that's growing. As a matter of fact, the U.S. Census, 2020 Census, has just been released. Mm-hmm. And that they found that number to even be higher now in terms of the people living alone. Uh, well, and if it's older people, there's going to be a growing number of older yes. people living much longer than they ever anticipated. So yeah, I can see how that number would grow. Yeah. So my my biggest, no matter if a person has family or not, and they live far away, or even if they're married and consider themselves solo agers, we have got to start focusing on individuals and not families so much because we don't have families. The majority Mm -hmm. of us don't have families. We may have families. I mean, I don't want to say that but they're estranged Strange, or they right. live far, they're far flung. They mm-hmm. may live in another country. I mean, look how transient our society is today. Oh, yep. Especially when you can work, really work from anywhere or your job requires you to move a lot of, of the time. Yeah, yeah. So we have to come, unfortunately, to an end. But can you give us a quick overview of the resources in at your website? I know there are a number of tools there articles. What can you tell us that's there? Oh, thank you. Uh, my biggest tool set right at the moment is the my YouTube channel, which is called Solo and Smart. And it's really based on my experience and my elder orphans, the group, Facebook groups experiences mm-hmm. on what we're learning, uh, how to prepare for aging alone. So I would say my YouTube channel, Solo and Smart, I also, I've stepped back from some coaching right now because I'm focusing feverishly on my book to get that published. <laughs> Got to get that out. Yep. in the next, you know, two, three months max. Okay. And well, so let once us know that's for sure. out, yes, uh-huh. once that out, then things ancillary, other services will be, will come with that. Okay. Well, what's the guided roadmap for living a supportive uh, and secure future. Yeah, that's part of my book. 
Yeah. That's part of the book. Okay. Yes, that's not that's, on. The- yes. There is a workbook though on your website because I actually printed it out and looked yeah. at it and yeah. Can you tell me about that a little bit? Yes. Well, it's, it's kind of an overview. It. Yeah. It's an mm-hmm. overview of my assessment of how to assess where you are right now. There's actually, I I think what you were looking at may be uh, the Aging 101. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. The Aging 101. That's to get you started thinking about it. Yeah, just there, I think there are like 10 questions that prompt your thinking of where do I start? Because so many of us have no clue. Where do I start thinking about growing older? I mean, Mm -hmm. how to prepare for this? I mean, it's crazy. It's very complicated and complex. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a way to start. However, my guided roadmap, it was going to be very in-depth on how do you assess for your top concerns so that you can get a really clear idea on which ones are your top ones and start improving upon them. The ones that you select are your biggest concern. Again, mine was money. And so I will, I, and I give you several processes on how to save more money, ways you can increase your income just so that you can feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. and more satisfied with, you know, with money and your finances. Hearing you speak about it and as a beginning piece to get you thinking about it in a prior life, I know I had some clients who were younger. They were in their 30s and perhaps early 40s. And they knew that they were going to be, everything else being equal, they were going to be the caregivers for their parents. Wow. And so they couldn't get their parents to begin to focus on their needs. So I could see this assessment 101 being maybe a conversation starter. Oh, that's a this idea. isn't your website yeah. isn't just for people getting older. It could right. also address how do I get mom and dad to focus on these things because they're not. So I'm, I'm right. wondering if that's a possible uh, a good usage of that to get them started thinking about it. Well, you just gave me a great idea. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I just follow great ideas all the time. <laughs> Is there anything else before we go that you'd like us to know? You know, the book is coming out, so I hope you let us know when that happens. Anything else we should know about your work at this point? Right now, I'm just so focused on the book, I apologize. But uh, definitely get in touch with me if you have a question. Join my newsletter. That way you can keep up with when my book is published and also other interviews like this where. We have some really very good information and a very, you know, we share resources. Join my Elder Orphan Facebook group. And if you have uh, questions about aging alone, it's, it has a wealth of information and some yeah, really like great people that are mm-hmm. willing and able to help one another. Sounds like a wonderful resource. It is. It really is. I just want everyone to know that's listening that you've got a fabulous website. We're going to put a link to that on the Help Me to Understand website, as well as because you're going to learn a lot about your workshops. I know you're not doing the coaching you said as much as you said. They'll find out when the book comes out, the Facebook group, 
we're going to put all the links to that, all your social media, your YouTube YouTube channel. So listeners, go to the Help Me to Understand website because you can find all that stuff. Thanks, Carol, so much for joining us and for all the information you've shared today. Oh, you're welcome, Felicia. I appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk with me. That's it for this episode of Help Me to Understand. If you like what you've heard, please go to our website, helpme2understand.com to listen to more great episodes. Or better yet, subscribe to receive new episodes as they are released. I'm so glad you can join me. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.